All right, here we are, Cowboy Connection Podcast, episode 65. Kevin, Bill, and Tad here joining you. Hopefully, JR will jump in here in just a little bit. So, we've already uh, gone through the formalities, but how's everyone doing? We just uh, uh, spent the last 10 days watching the NFL, watching people make a lot of money, doing what they love. Um. The finals was great, and I realized that I don't need to go to Las Vegas because just staying up as late as I had to to make it through the bull riding, <laughs> I was pretty tuck. I'm, I was kind of glad when it was over because it was uh, well, it wasn't as bad as when I used to live on Central Time because then it got really late. But yeah. uh, it was it was a good finals. It was good watching. Well, when when is the finals? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 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 Bill, Bill asked the question just a little while ago on Facebook, and I'm not kidding. I went to see the answers, and people took him serious. <laughs> I'm like, come on, guys. I cannot believe you guys are – they're all women, but they all took you serious. The guys no, just ignored it. No, there was a guy that did. He's like said, where, where have you been or something like that, but – I, I, you know, I, I, I know it, it's all good that people watch it, but I didn't watch it. I mean, I've got my favorites and I cheer from them. Uh, I, you know, with social media, like the ones that you want to watch, if you wait till the next day, they're most likely going to post their ride and I get to watch it anyhow. So no, it's, it's, it's good. I'm sure it's a great thing. I, I was just, I'm not quite sure. You know, I've always thought of a few of the rodeos I've never attended. And there's been times I'm like, I'd like to go down to Vegas to the NFR. And then I think about how busy that is and the go, go, go lifestyle would be down there. And I'm like, no, I'm probably good. I'm, I'm probably going to be okay. I guess if Jesus takes me home, I'll watch it from above or something. I don't know. It's, it seems pretty, pretty full, full week for a guy like me. So, well, I, I have said for several years now, we need to go, we need to go. And I'd like to go for just a couple of days. Yeah. And and so Sherry and I decided today we were talking about it. So, all right, if we're both still alive next year <laughs> at NFR time, <laughs> we're gonna try to, we're gonna try to get away for a couple of days and go down there. Well, for years, for 12 years now, we've been hosting everyone on staff over at the house every night. Well, thankfully oh, yeah. a few years ago they moved it up an hour. So we're not hosting people till 11 for 10 straight nights so <laughs> but by the time it's done we're ready for a quiet evening at home just the two of us kevin that that makes me think of a story my dad used to tell he says there was some old guy and woman and they was up and they had company come over to their house and it was getting pretty late and the guy that owned the house looked at his wife and says honey i suppose we just as well to go to bed so these fine folks can go home Oh, that's where I'd be. <laughs> well, my dad was known to just get up and go to bed. And uh, when my dad passed away, we went that first day. Everybody was at my house late into the evening. And and my parents weren't even married at the time. And I I got up and I said, well, I'm going to bed. You guys well, welcome to let yourself out when you're ready to leave. <laughs> My mom got pretty upset with me. 
So that's the one time I, one and only time I ever, I ever excuse myself to go to bed. So <laughs> that's oh, funny. Goodness. So. Goodness. Well, here we are. We're in John 14. So, yes, sir. We have, um, uh, we will spend time now. We've seen Jesus wash the feet of his disciples. We've seen um, Jesus charge them with the new command. And and we've seen Jesus foretell Peter's denial. And uh, and now, as far as I'm concerned, this is this is one of my this is one of the most powerful statements Jesus makes. Uh, and don't get me wrong, every time he speaks, it's worth listening to and studying and reading. Uh, that's not the point I'm making. But in this little section, Jesus says things that are amazing. Yes. They, he just does. And and so we're going to start here at 14. Um, I'm going to read through, uh, one, through 14, one 14, one through 14. And, uh, and if we get any farther than that, then that's, that's just dandy, but uh, I'm gonna go ahead and, and uh, start at 14, one, um, let not your hearts be troubled. Uh, now, now Jesus has already, um, foretold Peter's denial. He, he says, so he's kind of continuing what he left off with at 13, uh, 38. You know, when he says, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. And so he continues to speak. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me in my father's house or many rooms. If it were not so, um, would I have told you that? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. And you know, uh, the way to where I am going, Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you'd known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Uh, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is, is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. Uh, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Um. So in this little section right here is some incredibly powerful words. But there is also some things that cause theological debates, theological struggles uh, that that theologians have. And, and we'll obviously get to that. We see this 
uh, first encouragement that Jesus gives, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe in me. And, and, you know, and then he talks about in my father's house are many rooms. Uh, I wouldn't tell you if it weren't so. Uh, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and, and we'll take you. So, um, so as we start 14, is, is there, is there anything in this first section that you guys just really, um, uh, see that's significant right here? Well, well we've been all the way through John, the first 13 chapters that we read, we've taken account or noticed the progression of what's happening, that Jesus's mission on earth, he was, he was going forward towards that the whole time. And, um, I, and in verse one here, I think this is really a big transitional moment because I think this is a big transitional moment from the old Testament to the new Testament, because um, I'm reading out of the King, the new King James and it says, let not your heart be troubled. And it says, you believe in God. And so he's talking to his disciples who have grown up in the Jewish tradition are God fearing men and he says, you believe in God, which they have from birth. They've been taught the scriptures from birth. They've been growing up in Jewish custom. And, and he says, you believe in God. And then he says, believe also in me. And so this is, to me, this is the pivotal moment in, in all of, really in all of creation, because, because like the, 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 the switch is flipped here and, he starts it with let not your heart be troubled and then he says that he says that phrase you believe in god believe also in me and then he says in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you and i go and prepare a place for you and so there's really two things that i get out of these first four verses first of all is that he's he's transitioning into really he's transitioning into the new testament and and i just feel grace in these first four four verses that it's 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 just i don't know i can just feel the heart of jesus as he as he talks about this i'm going to play prepare a place for you and that's why he came and, and it's just like it's just one more confirmation of of why he came mm -hmm. and and he's had his his eyes set on the cross the whole time and he's getting really close now and it's like it's almost the beginning of the fulfillment. And um, I don't know. We talked about this before, but 14, 15, and 16 in John are, are my favorite, my three favorite chapters in the whole Bible, probably. Yeah. Well, well and, you know, I really like you go back to verse 2 even. He says, in my house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And. You know, again, if you really think about that, he is uh, um, really identifying as as the son of God in that. Even he's, you know, he's he's really saying, you know, you know, if you go over to Philippians, I believe it is where it talks about, you know, he left he left his deity, he left left you know heaven to come and and walk the earth as a man. That's the paraphrase of it, you know. And really, what he's saying is is I've been there, I've been where this mansion is, I've been 
where my father's house is, if you will. And so really, if uh, any ears of the uh, religious crowd around him, that had to be pretty offensive to him. You know, all along, anytime he has declared himself to be the son of man or, or even, in essence, equal or, or to God or to be God manifested in the flesh, it's a very offensive statement to him and so you know that that i read that into because even really the first part is you know he says let your heart not be troubled oh by the way if you believe in god believe in me because really there again he's identifying himself as part of the godhead he's he's saying i am the son of god i am god manifested in the flesh and so i think that's really a lot of what we're seeing there too is you know and and in that too is i think the grace like tad was saying he says you know um in my father's house there are many rooms or many mansions and and you know he's really saying there there's room for all who will believe you know but john three sixteen, for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not have should not perish but have everlasting life so really this is you know that john three sixteen is really an invitation or, or really kind of a way of saying i'm making my reservation if you will for one of those rooms or for one of those mansions. And so I think those definitely tie together, in my opinion, is he's he's really, you know, giving that open invitation to the whosoever's or all that should believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's you know, really and then, good. And then that's really, if you, if, sorry, and really, if you look at verse three, too, you know, he's really, he's already talking about, you know, the second coming in that in a lot of ways if i go and prepare a place for you oh i'll come again and receive you to myself uh, and and that where i am there you may also be and so you know it's really there's so much if you really start dissecting those scriptures because you know really the the second coming is in essence in as i read it in that he's also there again saying no i'm gonna die i'm gonna go prepare this mansion for you and oh by the way i'm i'm going to return again someday yeah which which at this point i'm sure that has to be you know we fortunately get to read the end of this story that had to be a lot of brain overload you know we just you know it's you you know just like we just like you get around and i'm i'll just use like someone like justin that's such a great horseman and you get around and you visit with him about horsemanship stuff and it doesn't take long you just feel like this brain overload like wait a minute, you throw way too much at me way too fast. <laughs> and I haven't even got past your first sentence kind of a deal. And, you know, and I think that's kind of where this is kind of that same deal. Them, them to the, I, I guess I can empathize with Thomas when he's all saying, uh, Lord, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Like you throw <laughs> so much in these four sentences at us that we're like, uh, 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 uh. Can, can you can you back up can we pause this can we have a conversation about it so you know because I, I think so often you know it, it's like for us and i mean i'm going to defend thomas i don't think we need to doubt obviously the bible's very clear we need to be in faith but so often thomas kind of gets this whole badgering thing you know doubting thomas doubting, doubting thomas. thomas yeah you know and it's like yeah but he has to go moment by moment we get the whole book man yeah. we can well, we've, been, we've been walked <laughs> into it right we've been uh, kinda, We've had people holding our hands through there. They're getting the deluge from the fire right. boats right now, right. you know. Right. 
Uh, we're getting to drink yeah. through the water faucet. They're drinking through the through the fire hydrant. So. Right, right. So, so you know, I, I, I agree. I, I agree with you, Bill. But, but I I look at that on the other side of that. Jesus must be thinking, how many years. times do I have to tell? Three you? years. Bill, don't get it. Three years. Well, so so here's. Here's what, what sticks out to me. I, I, I don't think they're saved. I don't think they're believers yet. Right. Um, because he's sharing the gospel with them here. So no, that's true. there's this idea, this notion that, or maybe nobody gives a single thought to it ever, but these guys, you know, okay. So they will soon right actually profess him as lord but but if these guys aren't saved yet these are the same questions that have been asked of jesus for 13 chapters yes. they're still thinking carnally worldly right and so my 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 thought as i see this is he's sharing the gospel you believe in god because you're hebrews believe in me Right now, granted, there's plenty of examples in Hebrews of people in the Old Testament who are saved through faith, right? By faith. And so, so, but remember, Jesus hasn't died yet. Right. So, so they're not in the presence of the Father, theologically speaking. Up until this point, you know, some theologians would say that they're that that those are lying. You know, those uh, prior to this moment are lying in a deep sleep. Some would say that they're in in some gathering place, holding place. John Piper would would believe that that they're in a um uh like a place like Sheol or or whatever. So there's a big theological conundrum that exists here. But remember, Jesus hasn't died for their sins. So at this point, these guys aren't saved, right? Yeah. Technically. And and so we see that in, in you know, poor Thomas been serving Jesus for three years. And everybody, when you hear the name Tom, you know, Thomas, like Bill said, everybody labels him Doubting Thomas, right? Well, I guess I'm doubting Kevin, you're doubting Bill, and you're doubting Tad, right? Because we still wrestle with unbelief on a daily basis. Someone wants to argue and say, no, 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 that's not true. If it weren't true, you wouldn't be dealing with sin. Yeah. You wouldn't look at porn. You wouldn't um, lust whatever you wouldn't judge wrongly all those sins right because we're sinners we, we we are right but by the grace of god through the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ we are saved praise be to to, to god for that for that fact right and so jesus makes a statement and 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 i i use this statement a lot because Guys, we it is it is so prevalent in our country today. Universalism, 
right? Yeah. Where people want to participate in any form of religious activity that is pagan, you know, the Christians want to participate in every form of pagan activity outside of of the of the 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 the, the challenge of Jesus to avoid pagan rituals, pagan practices, right? We know that to be a fact. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is an absolute statement. For anybody that says, and that's a common message today, Jesus never, Jesus never called himself God, never said he was God. Go study scripture, go study the book of John and see how often he does. And he says, I am the way. That is him saying, I am. I am God, right? Yep. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are one. They are unified. And he says, I am the way. That's an I am statement that he said many, many times. And he says, I'm the truth. So there is absolute truth. We cannot, as followers of Christ, say, you know, your truth is for you and my truth is for me. Whatever you believe is, is fine. That's between you and God. No. There is absolute truth, and it is in the person of Jesus Christ. Wow. He is the truth. Absolute truth. And so you, there is, there is no argument outside of that. Jesus is absolute truth. And I am the life, right? Eternal life. We will live on for eternity because of Jesus Christ, because what he did. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says, um, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Okay, that's in the context of God and money in that statement. It's still an absolute statement because it comes from the mouth of Jesus Christ. So you can't be Hindu and Christian. You can't be no. Buddhist and Christian. You can't be secular and Christian. You can't be you can't, anything. You, but You can't be. You, hold on. I got to interject this one. because We're having a conversation about this today. You can't be a Shriner and a Christian. You can't be a Mason. You can't be a Christian. You right. got to pick. It, 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 it's. It's it's an either or. I'm not either or. It's an either. It's you're either one, or you're going to be the other. It's it's and you're right. Absolute. There's an absolute to this. You have to. You know, Jesus is very clear. Well, you can actually jump over to uh, Luke chapter uh, nine sixty two. I believe it is. It says anyone that puts their hands to the plow and looks back. So really, what it's saying, looking at something else besides him is not fit for the kingdom of God. Right. So it's, 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 it's no lukewarmness here. It's all for Jesus. That's it. Yeah. So I had to put that in there because we were actually having a conversation and there was a little bit of discussion about uh, what, what, you know, like the Masons. And I said, well, they have a, an appearance of Christianity, but if you dig it out and you root it out, it's far from Christianity, but it's, it's there again. There's that, that persona that you can be both and, and it's not. You yeah. can't drink. The Bible's very clear. You can't drink from 
the cup of demons and the cup of the Lord. So yeah. go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, you can't drink from the cup of demons and the cup of the Lord. That's that's just another another point that falls into this. And and what's really hard for us to say because it sounds mean, it sounds cruel, it sounds whatever. Anything that defines Jesus as something that the Bible doesn't, right? Whether it's defined through extra biblical material or whatever, it cannot be uh, Jesus, right? It, it can't be, we, you can't be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's it's serving another king, another master. And, and as much as I hate to say it, and there's plenty of people that that are going to be listening to this that are going to want to want to debate it or argue it but when you begin to define what the masons the shriners which is just a higher form of mason even mormons when you begin to define who Jesus Christ is it doesn't line up with the biblical description of Jesus Christ but it's in our other writings those writings have not been have not been accepted in the church except in the Mormon church in the last three or 400 years. They were never known, never never existed. There's no evidence of them. There's no writings about them or anything else. And they don't line up with the holy word of God, right? The, 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 the Shriners and the Masons, they define Jesus as something other than what scripture does. And Jesus says, I am the way. He's saying, I'm the directions. You look at me and you will wind up in the mansions, right? In my father's house. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And he says, if you had known me, you would have known my father. That's what leads me to believe that up to this point, the, the the disciples of Jesus Christ were not saved because they did not know Jesus, right? They knew him because they'd been with him, but they didn't know him in the way they need to know him as their savior. Well, I, I feel like we're like to just really thinking of this scripture and it kind of hit me earlier when I was looking and reading through this stuff. And, and you know, that, that's, that verse six is, I mean, it's, it's powerful just reading it as it is. But then I got to thinking about those three, three things, the, I am the way you can, re and I, I don't think this is taking it out of context. In essence, you could say, I, Jesus was saying, I am the way I am the truth. I am the life. You know, I think each one of those could be attached to the, I am and not be, be uh, misconstrued. And I was like, Man, you start thinking about that. That that that's taken so many other statements that Jesus made up to this point and time, and he just he took it in those three words in essence, and just so power packed it. Because I was thinking about you know go back over to Matthew chapter seven or chapter seven, I believe it is uh, that he talks about. You know, he says that the that the the way that leads to life is narrow. Narrow is the way that leads to life. So he used two words alone in that statement right there. Narrow is the way that leads to life. So 
You could throw that as part of this statement. He says that I am the resurrection and the life. So there again, when he says this, I, I just feel like, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, when you're trying to end a sermon and you, you want to hit all the points in one sentence, in essence. And I feel like that's kind of what this sentence encapsulates in a lot of ways is he was like, okay, I've been preaching this gospel to you. And I'm going to use some words that I've used over and over and over again in my ministry and in my time with you. You know, you think about the truth. You know, he says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. He says, I think maybe it's later on. He says that, no, it was early. He says when he says that my word is truth, you know, he says that I am, you know, Jesus said at, at the beginning, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word became God. You know, so there's so much. And then he says, the word is truth. And so I just think, man, alive, there is so much packed in this one sentence yeah. that that, you know, obviously us as as New Testament believers and having the Bible need to, you know, put our ears up and say, listen to this. But I think it's just like you're talking, Kevin, is man, talk about he's like just that that that, you know, he's trying to swing it out of the park in essence. You know, he's like, I've been preaching the gospel to you all along. And right now I'm about to take this, all the gospel I've preached to you, and I'm going to put it into one sentence. I'm going to remind you of all those things that I've been telling you. And now here's the point to this. If you don't get this, you don't get to the Father. Well, this really is a conclusive statement. This is a conclusive moment, right? He's he's getting ready to give them, you know, he's, he's given them all these instructions. He's going to speak for a little while. But this is a conclusive moment because he's getting ready to die on the cross. He's getting ready to go before. I mean, the next day, as far as we know, this is the evening he washed the disciples' feet. The next day he's going before the, the court, you know, and, and he's he's going to die. So he is wrapping things up at this moment. And, and you know, the, the thing about it is you mentioned Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 21 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom no. of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. And and um, uh, and that's one of those statements is like, he's not talking about work salvation. He's talking about evidence of your salvation. Yeah, well, yes. it's just if you if you jump above that, he's addressing the false prophets saying they don't right. have any fruit. And right. we have to be careful if we don't have fruit. We really become a false prophet. Yeah. We can sit here and say, you know, well, man, I got all of this, but if we don't have that fruit. We're yeah. not doing the will of the Father. The gifts are important, but the gifts are nothing but clanging symbol without the fruits with it. Without and the really what's, right. And and Jesus, I mean, it's clear that what is the will of the Father? The will of the Father is that we should know him. That's the will of the Father, is that we know Jesus Christ and we know his word and we walk and we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then really that's where the fruit will be produced in. And so, so yeah, I think that's a great point is, yeah, I, I mean, for him to say, <laughs> I did not know you depart me from you worker of lawlessness. Yeah. And yet we can sit there and say, well, but I did all of these things. Yeah. But we didn't know each other. We didn't, we didn't have a, a relationship that transcends just you wanting me for the gifts, you know? I, I think I've heard Bill Johnson say it more than once. He says, any jerk can operate in the gifts. It takes a man of God to operate in character. Right. Yeah. Because the Bible is very clear that gifts and callings of, of God are without without reproach. You know, when God gives a gift, he gives a gift, you know, and we can see in the world, there's people in the world that operate in, in some 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 gifts 
that are given to them from God that are amazing. There's amazing musicians outside the kingdom of God. And that's a gift from God. Unfortunately, they haven't submitted it to God. Right. You know, and I mean, it kind of goes to that, you know, the, 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 the amazing rock star guitar player gets before God and says, yeah, but I played guitar and I did this and I did that. And he can look at him and say, yeah, but you didn't have any fruit. You didn't do it for the kingdom of God. You didn't. And it's not that works like you say, Kevin. It's about the submission to it. It's like, why am I doing this? Right. Is it for, you know, and Justin and I were having this conversation today, you know, you know, we, we, you can read that story about the Tower of Babel. And yeah, they were they were building a literal building on the God. And how many of us, if we're not careful, can build our own Tower of Babel? It can be yeah. about my ministry and what I'm doing and what I'm accomplishing and look at what I've got going. And really all we're doing is we're building our own Tower of Babel. We're sitting here saying, I, 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 I. And as opposed to, well, I want to submit my life to God. And at the end of the day, I want to be out of the way. And that he's the one that gets glorified through this. Yeah. Well, and that's the that's the thing that as you are growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you understand that you're looking to Jesus as, as to on a daily basis, your your life is consumed with worship of Jesus, mm -hmm. and Jesus is the reason you're doing anything, not yourself. You're not the reason. You're not trying to solve the problems. You're not trying to to save yourself. You're looking to Jesus. You're you're watching Jesus, just like Jesus watches the Father. Right? Oh. Philip says. I mean, he just said to him. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my father. Also, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip, right? How come nobody gives Philip a hard time, right? Everybody <laughs> gives Thomas a hard time. Philip Daddy, says, show Philip. us the father and it's enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it just, he just, you know. Oh, by the way, if you've seen me, if you've yeah. seen the Father, and then he turns around. Uh, and, yeah. and Jesus says, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Again, evidence that they didn't know who Jesus was. They knew him as a rabbi. You know, they knew him as a as a teacher. And, and they saw him do miracles. They saw him do incredible things. Who He says, whoever has seen now, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. And we've talked about that on numerous occasions as we've walked through John is is you know that's a foothold seeing the miracles that jesus did but remember they were still stumbling even through all the miracles they were still stumbling and struggling to know who jesus was they were still thinking he was getting ready to conquer rome and give give uh uh israel their 
their freedom and make them a nation. It is still a fleshly moment for these guys, right? And and you know, we get so hung up in in debating theology and debating different things, getting hung up on, well, we're in the end times, we're in the end times. Hey, I'm I'm just gonna let you know something. Okay. This is I believe this with all my heart. We've been in the end times since at least 70 AD. At the fall of the, the temple, the second fall of the temple, we've been in the end times, right? And and so uh you know, what about the seven years? Are we gonna are we gonna ascend uh at the beginning, in the middle, or at the end? It doesn't matter. We're guaranteed Jesus is gonna return for us if we are believers in him. We don't need to mess with, worry about, debate, argue over end time stuff, right? Jesus is being emphatic right now. I am the father, I and the father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Believe, believe. <clears throat> in 12, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Now, again, and I bring up the end times, because again, here's another theological argument that people want to have is, we should be raising the dead. We should be, yes, but we need to be preaching the gospel. First, and if you're not preaching the gospel and seeing people's lives changed and transformed, your efforts to raise the dead are going to be futile because you're not doing the will of the Father. Yes. Which is to preach the gospel. Look, you cannot be a cowardice Christian, afraid of rejection, afraid to share the gospel with people, right? You know, St. Francis of Assisi is misquoted. When, when, you know, they, they failed to, to give the entire speech when he says, you know, um, uh, share the gospel and when necessary, how is it? I just um, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Use words. That's not the point of his speech, right? That's not the point of his speech. That, that's, that's misquoted. It's misused. It's misrepresented. The gospel has to be shared. Yes, we mm -hmm. serve. We serve. Absolutely, we serve. But without the gospel preached, right? Jesus and Paul both speak of hearing the gospel. So about three, four years ago at Rodeo Bible Camp, Bill and I, and there was other people there too. I can't remember who was there, but I asked Bill this question about this verse uh, most assuredly i say to you he who believes in me the works that i do he will do also and greater works than these he will do because i go to my father because i was going through a period of my life when i i had i had i had been meditating on that and it was really bothering me that i wasn't seeing those things and I don't know, Bill, if you remember this conversation or not, but I, I remember it vividly. And I asked, I asked you, I said, why is that? 
why aren't we seeing that? Why aren't it, why isn't that? And and I think it goes back to um, verse six, uh, and I'm just stuck on verse six. But I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me, because I think that we can the the real the real blessing the real gift that God has given to us is Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just like Bill said, that encapsulates all of the gospel and all of scripture points to Jesus Christ and everything apart from that. Um, you know, Paul says, uh, um, uh, I'm not going to be able to quote this now. My mind mm-hmm. just kind of blank, but what, what, when I was with you, I, I saw it, I sought to to preach Jesus um and and his resurrection his death and resurrection and, and him crucified. More. Yeah. Yes, and him crucified. And mm-hmm. and when we go back to that, he's talking about he says, uh, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father mm-hmm. who dwells in me does the works. And uh uh the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. And so, again, our job, our job is to pursue Jesus. It's that simple. Yeah. Pursue Jesus. And um, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. At my men's group at, at church, we're, we're, um, we're going to get back into Ephesians. But um, I found this thing, and the point I've been trying to bring across is that, you know, we can grit our teeth and we can try to make the fruit of the Spirit evident in our life, but we can't. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness. We can't manufacture that stuff. Not, not long-term anyway. Right. Because they're fruit they're the result of something. And, and so what is it the result of? It's the result of us denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following Christ, surrender, submission to him. And, um, and I found this thing, there's 198 scriptures in new, in, in the new Testament that talks about who we are and what we have and what God has done when we are in Christ or through Christ or with Christ in Ephesians, it says that we've been seated in holy in heavenly places. That's not our, that's not our works. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ. And so when we get back to, you know, greater works, will you do because I'm going to my father why aren't we seeing that in our lives? Because we're seeking the works. If we are so submitted to Jesus, if we are so in love with him, it says it's he's he tells us that if you love me, you will obey me. Yeah. If we are walking in that every day, I truly 100 percent believe that we're going to see we're going to see the miracles that we read about in scripture 
we're going to see the miracles that we hear about with Smith Wigglesworth and some of those heroes of the faith, but they weren't doing it to, they weren't doing it to promote a ministry. They weren't doing it to grow a church. They weren't doing it to, to make a brand. They were doing it because that's what God told them to do. Because they love, they love Jesus. Yeah. Because they love Jesus and they've been with him long enough that God had, had the opportunity to develop the character in them, in them that they could be trusted with it. Yeah. And it was, it was out of love. Yeah. Well, and, and if you look at those people's wives and I, and I, I tell people, you know, God, for some reason, chose to, to, to exalt those individuals. I mean, you, you know, who, who knows why the Smith Wigglesworth or the John G. Lake or the, the George Mueller. I mean, we can go through all these guys that are known. I says, but how many more were out there that didn't ever have anything written about them, you know, or never did have, you know, and, and, and there again is that we, we never want to underscore, you know, the small town podunk, pastor or leader of a church there that's fully submitted to God. But I think that's the whole thing is what we're talking about here is is the why of it. But they totally, completely, utterly gave their life to Christ. Everything yes. they did. I mean, I yeah, you know what I mean, you can read and most of them will tell of their struggles and they'll tell that they they, you know, had their challenges. You know, I mean Smith Wigglesworth for a long period of time was a very angry man. And one day he finally went and locked himself in a room. And I think they said for 11 days he was there. And he said, God, until this goes away, I'm not coming out. You know, so there was a determination to find God. And I think that's a lot of it is we, Bill Plouffe, so often can have so many other resources that he looks to before he looks to God. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll say myself, you know, I was listening to uh, somebody else on social media. <laughs> no, this is the irony of this statement. <laughs> I mean, it was a great message they were given, and they were kind of the same conversation of why why were there more moves of God in the past, and why were there more? And, and they said, because we have all these devices that have distracted our time away from God. They've, they've, I mean, they can be a great tool if we, are disciplined enough to use them to, for the study of God's word, to listen to messages, to grow in the faith that way. But let's face it, there's a lot of things on there that can, can just even at times, we end up seeing things we don't even want to. And we know yeah. we shouldn't because it's in our quote unquote news feed or it, it was shared to us or, and I think that's the whole thing. But I think to bring it back to this whole idea of of of, of greater works, you know, and even that is is let let's face it, we, we can't do greater in 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 essence quality or 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 you know than or in significance of what Jesus did. But let's face it, he had a short ministry. Mm -hmm. He had three years of ministry. He had a short period of time, and yeah, he had his disciples and, and all, but let's face it, a lot of that ministry was on his shoulders at the moment. He yeah. was coming to be that example, and so greater should be in numbers, and I agree with this conversation so much that, you know, 
And I'm trying to, I've been, as I've been listening to you, I, you two and, and, and pondering this, I've been trying to figure out how to say this, you know, in the way the Lord would want it to be said. But you watch so many televised ministries and, and I want to, I want to put as a footnote, I am not against televised ministries because I listen and I watch several of them and I've learned a lot of things from them. But sometimes I think the danger is, is they magnify the quote-unquote physical miracles way more than the spiritual miracles. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how, how many, you know, and girl, let's face it. Yeah. It's cool when somebody's, you know, arthritis is healed or their legs are grown out or, you know, those are all wonderful miracles. But, you know, I think when do we start really the internal miracles, if you will, we need to start looking at the greatness of somebody that got free from their anger towards their wife or their hatred towards their kids or that they gave their life towards to Jesus. You know, I think those are such those are amazing miracles, too. And I think those at times are also what we need to be, you know, at the end of the day that that that. Yeah, let's face it. Somebody walking normal. That's absolutely important. But also that person that had because they had that encounter and experience with Jesus, they now can love in a way they never were able to love before. They were able to to make amends with their neighbor that they never made before. You know, those are the things too that I think that that need to be testified to in the church. Because I mean, I, I, we we went across the the street today. The the Methodist Church invited our church over because they had a, a cantata, small cantata this morning, and their church is before ours. And and I was sitting there, and, and I was, and I'm and I'm not trying to outdo the, the the church that isn't what my statement's going and i was sitting there in this church service and and i was thinking they don't do church much different than we do mm. why do i think i'm so much more right than they are mm. yeah and and i was thinking at the end of the day if if i really want to be right people have to have an experience with god yeah yes. at the end of the day that's what makes us right they don't come to have an experience with the Methodist Church or the Community Christian Fellowship Church at the end of the day, when they walk through our doors, I want them to to have an experience with the Lord, with Jesus himself in some way. And we are, and that responsibility falls on us. We can always, we can, we can put off the, well, if Jesus doesn't do it, it ain't going to get done. Well, that's hogwash. I'll show you that it says we're to be ambassadors. We're to re- present him to the world around us and i think that's what this boils down to is jesus could only give one person at a time an experience with him the greater works is when we all give people an experience with jesus because we understand that the power that raised christ from the dead dwells in each and every one of us yeah Uh, that you know bill I, i so appreciate your your um uh your compassion right now mm-hmm. because um uh it you know it, it's just evidence of the power of the holy spirit in your life to 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 just stir this authenticity this genuineness of compassion mm-hmm. because you know it, it jesus says greater works than these 
he will do because I am going to the Father. And it's because Jesus is going to the Father, these greater works are going to happen. Now, next time we're going to study what that looks like, right? He's going to continue on, and he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And 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 the the, the point you're making is so true. We cannot look past our neighbor, right? It, it, the spiritual implications of raising people from the dead is, is so powerful because when we hear the term raising people from the dead, laying hands and raising people from the dead, we think of somebody laying in a, in a casket. But everyone, these people, these mm -hmm. disciples were spiritually dead. Mm -hmm. They were spiritually dead. They were destined to hell, even though they walked with Jesus for three years, because they did not know him up until this point. And so through the, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the lives of the people we're sharing with is where we see the resurrection of Jesus Christ in action in their lives. We see them resurrected from yeah. spiritually dead to spiritually alive. A heart of stone turned to a heart of flesh. When we share the gospel, when we evangelize, when we teach, when we preach, when we love, when we serve, and we cannot be a holy huddle sitting in our home, working on our ranch, <clears throat> traveling down the road, going to church on Sunday with our best pals, and not spending time with the unsaved, not taking advantage when an unsaved person crosses our path, whether it's on an airplane, whether it's in a gas station, whether it's at the feed store or the sale barn or the rodeo. We have to be prepared. Peter says it. He says in uh, 1 Peter 3, 14, I think, uh, he says, be always be prepared um, to give a reason for the hope that's within yeah, for you. for the hope that is in you. But in your when heart, they, and, I think it says, but, and doesn't it go on to say, and when they ask, see, there should be such an evidence of hope that they ask us about it. Yeah. yeah. He says, but in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that, that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Right? Peter is, is giving a command to us by the Holy Spirit to say, be prepared. Right? If, if you're if you if you go into the woods, especially in this country, with an unloaded gun, you're not prepared. If you go into the woods, if you go into the pasture to doctor calves on a yearling or a two-year-old that has three rides on them, you're not prepared. When you, whatever, you're not prepared, Bill. <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm, I'm sure I've never done that. <laughs> but, 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 but Peter gives us the command. Be prepared. 
to make a defense for the hope that you have if they ask. And and that's the that's the message Jesus has given us. And, and I, I, at the risk, I, I really, I love the church. I, I'm the lead elder of a church. I spend a lot of time with church people. So I don't want to sound like I'm down on the church people. I absolutely love it. You know why I love it? Because God has commanded me to. And I want to worship and serve him. And I want to be right in this. But I think this is the danger of the consumerism mentality of the church is that that we when we become so internalized and we become a reservoir instead of a conduit that we're always thinking about what can mm. I get out of this? What is, I'm going to church for me. It's about me. And if that's my mentality, if I, if I go week after week, even, even if I, if I walk away from this podcast and it's all about what I can get and what, what I can get out of it. I don't, I don't, you know, there, there again, you know, Jesus said, he said, look up, look up. You know, we're so, you know, we're so consumed with our own thing, whatever it is. And it's not that it's always a bad thing, but he's saying, look up. The fields are white with harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers. And I think that's the thing is, is if I make Christianity about me and what I can get out of it, as opposed to, you know, the parable of the Good Samaritan, you know, you become that that priest and that Levi. Well, what's people going to think about me if they see me talking to, you know, the 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 least of these, if you will, the, the neighbor that nobody wants to be around? What are they going to think of me? They may consider me unclean. Mm. And you, we have to become like the one that really was considered unclean. He's like, well, they're already talking about me. What's it matter? You know, yeah. and he was the one that went and ministered. He's the one that said, here, I have hope. I want to bring you a, a hope. I, I want to I see you as my neighbor. And I think that's what we have to be careful is we don't have a consumer mindset in Christianity, but rather we're just that, that servant of Christ that we're going to, 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 to the feet of the master to say, master, what would you have me do today? Yeah. Master, how can I love somebody in a way that they've never been loved before? You know, because the Bible is so, uh, uh, Delcy and I have kind of been, we've been working on some of our own personal life stuff and our, our vision for our lives and some things that we, and I, and I told her, I wanted first Thessalonians uh, 4, 11 and, and 12. Let me get to it. I like the new living translation. I like this one too, but, um, I said, this kind of needs to become what our, our, our life is. Um, and, and, and let me just, because it, I feel like this is, well, for one, and then the New Living Translation says, make it your goal. And I figured, well, if Jesus is wanting you to make something your goal, you should probably make it your goal. But uh, the New, New King James says that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your hands, as we have commanded you, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside, and that they may then, and that that you may lack nothing. I think that New King or New Living Translation says to walk honorably towards your neighbors, and I think that's what this has to become: is that you know when we we become honorable towards our neighbor, who is your neighbor? Whoever's closest to us, right? Then we start considering. You know, I I had an encounter with my neighbor the other day and it was a little bit 
it's just there was some it wasn't bad but i i knew that it was gonna go in a way that it shouldn't and i, I could see her there and i knew she was upset and it was really over no reason in my opinion and i just prayed and i said you know god you got to give me peace because i could have went over there and i could have been on the fight and i could have said it's none of your business and at the end of the day, I just said, I don't tell you how to run your operation. Please don't tell me to run my operation. And I said, let's not make everything an argument here. And I just walked away from it. And I mean, obviously, she knows I'm a preacher. She knows where I stand with Christ. And I think that's what we have to do is start looking from that aspect. No matter how right I was, in my opinion, I could have tried to impose my rightness on her and yet still not honored her. Yeah, oftentimes it's more about winning, winning than it is about honoring Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, winning, our, winning our own battle than it is about winning souls for Jesus. So, yeah, that's that's so good. That's uh, it's so powerful. Any any final thoughts, Ted? It's all about Jesus. Yeah, that's our pursue Him. Just pursue Him. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it really is true. I mean, as as cliche as it sounds, look, if you if yep. you can if that truth can settle in your heart, um, it really does give you the ability to be renewed in your mind. It's mm -hmm. all about Jesus, all about honoring and glorifying the Father. Yep. And uh, it really, if it can truly set on your heart, if you can truly pray that prayer. Um, and, and just ask the spirit to, to make that truth. Um, it's powerful. Well, I'll tell you what, um, you know, you've heard the gospel preached powerfully, uh, tonight in this, in this podcast. And, and I can tell you sitting here right now, not only am I just, um, refreshed, I feel renewed just in this conversation. It's just so encouraging, so powerful. Um, thank you, gentlemen. Um, and if you don't know Jesus, uh, you just heard all about him. And you heard the gospel presented as good as it could possibly be presented tonight. And I just want to encourage you to to dive into that relationship and, and begin to pursue that relationship with Jesus like you've never pursued a relationship with anyone before. If you're if you're married, uh, you pursued that person. Um that you're married to and and so you understand what pursuit looks like pursue jesus he's there he's he's he is there so hey i'm gonna pray i'm gonna go ahead and close this out in prayer so father i thank you so much for these men this time and for anyone who might listen to this podcast and i pray for for the amazing supernatural softening of the heart and the, and the regeneration of their spirit i pray father that you would do continue to do a mighty work and, and anyone that this podcast crosses and in our own minds and our hearts and just just fill us refresh us Lord as we as we uh move into to Christmas and the new year Lord I pray that we continue to make it about you and not about presents and gifts and and alcohol and and everything else but we just make it about you and as we look to 2024 uh I pray father it's just a yeah, it, just another reminder that that we are stepping into another year where we get to honor and glorify you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you got questions, you need prayer, you need a Bible, you can find us at uh, 
acowboyconnection at gmail.com. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, yeah, God bless. Hope you have a good Christmas and a good New Year. We'll be back here in a couple of weeks.